back to a second chance. My name is Philip Jones. Uh, Mr. Cook is my co-host. Mr. Cook, how you doing today? Hello, everybody. I'm doing well. Good, good, good. Today we have a great story coming from an awesome person, uh, Lily Stoltz, and we want to jump into this story and get everything that she's willing to give us. So, Lily, how are you today? I'm doing well. Thank you. Good, good, good. So let's get straight to it. The floor is yours, Lily. Go ahead. Yeah. So, um, okay, so I'll just start. I'm 24. I'm from Wisconsin. Um, and so the way that I, like, got into the donation and, like, how this became, like, a thing in my life was um, not this past June, but the June before that, we found out my dad was sick. Um, he had end-stage liver failure, and they kind of told him right away, like, he's going to need a liver transplant. Um, we weren't aware if he was going to be able to get a live transplant or not, like, what that looked like. Uh, it was kind of all just thrown at us. And so um, I immediately was like, well, I'm the, I'm the one that, like, has to trans. Like, I have to give my dad my liver. Um, you know, I have to, like, save his life. You know, he's, like, my best friend. And... Um, so we found out that like he was able to get a live transplant and um, we were working with UW-Madison. Um, and so I went down to UW-Madison and did all my testing, two eight-hour days full of blood tests and scans and MRIs and everything that you can imagine. Um, and they said that like I looked really healthy. Everything looked awesome. Um, and... So I was like, great, like, this means, like, I'm going to save my dad's life. Like, it's going to be great. Um, you know, he's only 57, I think. <laughs> and, like, he has a lot of life left to live, man. So I was, like, really excited. Um, and they said they would give me the results in, like, a week or so after my second appointment. Um, I was waiting for the call. And so I work at a prison. Um, I'm a guard there. And... I was going to work one day. I started on second shift and it was right before two o'clock and I got this call from my coordinator and she said, yeah, Lily, everything looks really good. Like you look really healthy. Um, but the, the team has decided that you're, you're too small to donate to your dad. Um, they said that like my, the, like my organ, my liver wouldn't grow big enough to what my dad's body needed. Um, and, like, I just remember, like, my body shutting down. Like, I was pulling into the parking lot um, when I got this news. And as a, as a prison guard, like, you have to be on the straight and narrow. Like, you can't really show a whole lot of emotions. Like, you have to um, – you don't want to, like, let that let the, the guys on the inside know that, like, you're – feeling the type of way because that's when like they start taking advantage of you. So um, I broke down. I just started crying and I didn't know like how to feel or what to do because we didn't really have um, another option for my dad. Um, and, you know, my coordinator said like, you're, you're really healthy. Like, I'm really sorry you can't donate to your dad, but like, just keep the, you know, live donation in the back of your mind. Like, and immediately, like, I'm crying on the phone with her. I haven't talked to anybody yet. And I'm like, well, I still want to donate. Like, I have to talk to my family, but, like, I still want to do this. And she sounded, like, really hesitant. She was like, okay, you know, just, like, don't really worry about it. Um, just keep it in mind. But, like, you need to, like, feel this and process this. Like, it's kind of a – it's a big – it's a big thing to just have been told. Um, so I got off the phone with her and I called my mom right away. And I was like, mom, like they, they said my, my body was healthy, but I'm too small to donate to dad. And like, I don't know what to do next. I don't know what my next steps are. And like in the weirdest way, I felt like a failure. Um, and but I, I wanted to I knew that I wanted to continue this process. So um, I'm crying on the phone and I'm trying to like compose myself to go into work. And, you know, my mom says everything's going to be fine. Like we're going to be OK. Um don't feel bad. And right before I went into work, I was like, I, I want to still donate. Do you think dad will be mad at me? <laughs> and, um, she was like, absolutely not. Like, this is something we can absolutely like, discuss and, you know, going forward, um, we can make that decision, but like, you need to compose yourself and you need to go to work. Like you are an adult, everything is going to be okay. And like, I just remember sitting in my car, 
all the way until I had to be in. And like, normally, like I'm a kind of the kind of person that like shows up 30 minutes early, like figures what's out or figures out what's going on for the day. Um, and I sat in my car to the last minute this day and I just, I didn't know what I wanted to do next. Like I, but I knew that like the struggle that my family had gone through since we found out my dad was sick, um, and finding somebody to transplant was you know, awful. And I never wanted anybody to feel that way again. And I knew that like, if I had the opportunity to help a family not feel the way that we felt, um, I would take it. So like I went into work that day and I cried all through my shift. Like I had to have someone relieve me right when I got in. And then like a couple hours later, like I was just all in my head about it. Um, but I called my coordinator the next day and this was, um, September of last year. And I was like, you know, I want to, I want to do this. Like I want to move forward. What are the next steps? And she said, you know, okay, we're going to put you on the list and we're going to match somebody up with you and we'll give you a call when we get a match. Um, and obviously like COVID is still bad at this time. And so she calls me and she says, okay, I think we've got something set up. We're thinking like, early November. Does that work for you? And I was like, yeah, absolutely. Like we, you know, I talked to my family about it. We were all set. Um, and then like the last week of October rolled around and my coordinator was like, well, COVID is really bad right now. And we are not doing any, um, surgeries that aren't life threatening. And so like in my mind, I'm like, how is this not a life saving or life threatening surgery? Like I'm saving somebody else's life. So I was like mad because I had like worked myself up for it and like just to be shut down like a week and a half prior. Um, and so, but I knew that like everything was going to work out the way that it was supposed to. Um, so I just continued to wait for the call. Um, the COVID numbers started dropping in the Madison area and I got, um, I actually got promoted at my work in February of last year. And so I'm taking this promotion. I had an eight week training to go with it. And I was like, well, I haven't heard from the hospital yet. So I'm going to take this training. I'm going to take this new position and then we'll see what happens there. Um, and I get a call from my coordinator like two weeks before I was supposed to start my training for my promotion. And she goes, Hey, Lily, we found the perfect match for you. Um, your the surgery is scheduled for March 28th does that work and I was like no like it doesn't work for me um my my training starts on March 15th and I have eight weeks that I have to do I have to complete it I can't miss it um can we wait till after and that was probably one of the hardest things that I had to do because like I I always try to live my life like helping others and doing things for other people um and like to to tell her that I couldn't step in and I couldn't do this um, it, it in a silly way. Like it was really hard for me. Um, but I was like, you know, after my training, my work is absolutely like, okay with me doing this. Like I've already talked to all of them. I just have to finish this eight weeks. And so she's like, okay, we understand. And um, so May comes around and my training is almost done and I still hadn't heard from the hospital. So I wasn't really aware of like what was going on. I, I needed to know because I needed to be able to schedule with my work, but I was really just letting everything play out. And um, I get a call the last week of my training and she says, hey, Lily, May 25th, does that work for you? And I was like, yeah, absolutely. Let's run it. Um, so we got it on the schedule. We got it in the calendars. And my work was all aware that I was going to have this surgery and be off all summer. Um, and so, okay, so backtrack a little bit. So I have substance use issues, um, and I've been clean for three years now. So my, I got clean on June 24th of 2018. Um, and so going into all of this, I told the doctors and everything, like, I don't want narcotics. Um, I've read stories, like I've heard that people can do this without narcotics and that's what I want. Like I want a non-narcotic pain med for after the surgery. And they're like, yeah, it's fine. Like we'll completely work with that. Absolutely. Um, so May 24th comes and my family goes down to Madison and we stay in the hospital the night before or the hotel the night before. And we go to the hospital the morning of the 25th and I get there and I'm like, all right, no narcotics. Like the surgery is going to be great. 
Um, the nurse that was helping me that day was amazing. And uh, I like got <laughs> knocked out, you know, the, the anesthesia kicked in. And I remember like being wheeled to the operating room and I was shocked to see that there was like 20 people in there. Like there were so many people and they went through like a roll call. And I remember them, like each person said like what they were going to be helping with. And then my surgeon, you know, introduced himself and said, okay, good night. <laughs> and the next thing I remember is waking up in the ICU or yeah, in the ICU with my mom next to me and the nurse, she hands me this button um, and she says, you know, every time it lights up green, you can press it and it's pain meds and it'll light up every 20 minutes. So I was like, great, awesome. Um, and like they told me like every, the surgery went well. I was in for nine hours. Um, my mom was updating everybody on Facebook during the whole time. Um, and so, yeah, so every 20 minutes I'm pushing this button. I feel great. Like I don't, I'm not in any pain. Um, and the the next day I wake up and I was like, hey, like what, what is this? You know? And she's like, Oh, it's Dilaudid. Like you're getting Dilaudid every 20 minutes. And I was like, you guys told me you weren't going to put me on any narcotics. Like what is going on? And, um, so I donated, I donated non-directed. So I didn't know who my liver was going to. I knew that I was giving 60% of it. Um, and that was it. And so in the ICU, after this whole Dilaudid debacle, they took me off of it and just put me on Tylenol and ibuprofen. And um, this nurse comes in, not my regular nurse, and she helps me stand up and we do some like physical therapy standing up and sitting down. And she goes, oh, you must be the girl that donated to the girl next door. And I was like, oh, am I? Like, I wasn't supposed to know that. And she goes, I don't know. That's just what they told me. And so like, it felt good knowing that, you know, the girl that I donated to was next door. Um, and I, that I donated to another girl and a little later goes on. And later in the day, they're like, all right, you're doing really well. We're going to move you up to the transplant floor. Um, so they put me all in my wheelchair and they get my stuff and they wheeled me right past her room and I got to look in and I like remember her being all hooked up on tubes and her I, her dad was in there with her I think is who it was um and I just felt a sense of like I don't know joy um and I get up to the transplant floor and they're all just so amazing and the nurses were they were yelling and fighting about the the Dilaudid debacle and um they just, but they just took really good care of me. And, um, so I was in the hospital for five days. Um, and some of the nurses like would slip information to me, you know, this girl is not much older than you and she's doing really well. And she's also on this transplant floor. So I'm walking, I'm going for like two or three walks a day in the hallways because I know I'm not supposed to know who she is, but like, I let my curiosity get the best of me. And I wanted to like bump into her. Um, and I never did. But I just had a really good feeling that like things were going well for both of us. Um, I don't I don't remember a whole lot of the hospital stay, like just bits and pieces of like the walking around and um, the food was awful. <laughs> um, and then on day five, I remember my team coming in and saying, like, you know, you can go home. Um, you're doing great. Like and we'll get you, we'll get you discharged and you can, you can recover the rest of the summer at home. So it was a Friday. Um, and they discharged me from the hospital. Um, we, I just remember being like super uncomfortable. Like my body just felt very uncomfortable and I felt like I could feel this empty space inside of me. And, um, it was just one of the weirdest sensations. And so it's a two hour drive home. So we get home and um, I just slept. Like I slept a lot my first week, but I remember like crying all the time. Cause like, I was just so uncomfortable. Like I'm a stomach sleeper and I like couldn't sleep on my stomach anymore. Um, and I can't sleep on my back. Like I just absolutely cannot. So like the recovery was really hard for me because I wasn't sleeping. Like I had no appetite for anything. And, um, the, yeah, so the first three weeks were just really hard. And I remember thinking like, I can't regret doing this because I know I saved someone's life, but if I had to do it again, 
I don't know if I would like I know that like logic or theoretically like I would because I know that like it's a good thing to do but I don't think I would want to remember the <laughs> the experience that I had so if I could do it like and not remember anything I went through I would do it again um or I would like absolutely do it again if they you know were like oh surprise like you can donate the regrown liver to your dad or something I would go through it again for sure um but it was it was a really uncomfortable experience um and after Lily Lily can I ask you can I ask you a question let me let me jump in real quick um how how old was your dad when he uh started experiencing uh liver failure so my dad he um he contracted hep c in the 90s through Mm. a blood transfusion um and i think they caught it like early 2000s but not in not before you know they realized that he had hep c and it was attacking his body so they put him on treatments and it they thought that it worked so we thought that everything was fine and it was all good and he went in that june for for testing and stuff and it turns out that like he was end stage liver failure and it had completely attacked his body okay okay um and let me ask you another question what made you still want to donate after they tell you that you know you're too small and everything you still want to that's pretty courageous right there i got to give you a lot of love for that because a lot of times People look for the out. They kind of look for that. Hey, I can't do it because of this, and they just leave it at that. So that 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 reminds me of a lot of my uh, my donor away. So so what what made you still want to do that? That's pretty remarkable. I just knew that like we had such a hard time trying to find a donor for my dad. Like I would, you know, my whole family, we all signed up to try and be donors, but they all got like kicked off in like the first years of the the process you know they never even made it down to the hospital and so like i knew that i was given this opportunity to you know they told me i had a healthy body and everything a healthy organ so i didn't want anybody else to suffer the way that we'd been suffering and like struggling to find somebody for my dad right so and and that was a a, that's that's an incompatible uh transplant liver transplant so, like, um, so I'll just give you a little bit about me. Um, I was in the six one ever with a kidney. The six one ever. Natural Geographic did a documentary on me when I was doing mine. And uh, so, so did your dad receive his kidney? I delivered mean, the same day that you gave yours. No, my dad is still on the transplant list. We're still waiting. Okay, okay, that's all I want to know because with ours, they've took all six of us and six of the recipients. And they did it all on that same day, and that's what I wanted to know. So, but but they got him in the uh, what what is called like the um, they got him in the list of when when it comes up that he'll definitely get one though, correct? No, he's just on a live transplant list, and if anybody ends up matching with him, like family wise or friend wise, then he'll get it. Um, but there's so like there's yours- no. There was no like transfer program where like if I, I do this, somebody I else would do it for him. So what you what you're called is an altruistic. That's what you were. You are altruistic donor. You just yeah. But, but and so you didn't give it up so he could get one. You just wanted to give one. Yeah. I got you. Okay. I didn't know that. I, I thought it, I thought from what it sounded like it sounded like you was giving one so you so your dad could get one. But okay, I got you on that. All right. Yeah. That, that's pretty awesome too. That's good. Yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Continue on, Northfield. Okay. Um. So, anyways. Okay. So, three weeks um goes by, and I go back to the hospital for um my checkup with my surgeon, and like after the three weeks was over, um I felt fine. Like everything was good again. Um, I wanted to drive, but like I waited to get the clear from my doctor, and um. The only thing that was wrong was I couldn't straighten my left arm all the way. <laughs> and so um, we got we go down there and I, I'm talking to my surgeon about this. And he was like, yeah, like, I'm really mad. I'm really mad this happened because we are like a top tier surgeon and, and like this should not have happened. And what happened is you didn't get strapped down right. And I thought I checked you over right. And so he's like taking this all on like it's his fault. Um, but I saw a chiropractor and they ended up straightening it all out and everything is fine now. Um, so he was able to tell me, uh, at my three week checkup that the girl who got my liver, 
um, recovered is recovering still really well and doing great and that everything looked great with her. Um, and so, so yeah, since then I've still been off work. Um, I go back on the 30th and, um, after my six week mark, they cleared me to like go back to everyday life. So I started working out again. And like the biggest difference was like, I had no muscle. I lost all my muscle from like laying and, and not doing anything, basically being on bed rest for that first three weeks. Um, and, and so I, the biggest struggle that I've had since then is just like returning my muscle mass and like working out and trying to get my strength back before I go back into work. Um, and yeah, I've just been like super grateful to like have been given this opportunity and like to have a job with the state where they have a living donation like program where I was still able to receive paychecks from my work um, because of this like surgery that I had. And and yeah, that they gave me so much time off. Like I was able to recover all summer and most people, when they donate, they go back at like week six to week eight. Um, and I was able to take a full three months to really recuperate and like go back. So yeah. That's, uh, that's a deep right there. Um, you know, uh, like Mr. Cook said, remarkable that you still had the wherewithal to still want to donate, even though it wasn't going to your father, which is, you know, I, I've known people that wanted to donate to family and they told them no. And they was just like, oh, well, can't go to them, so I'm not going to do it at all. And just, you know, kind of sit back and watch. Uh, so for you to, to take that in and say, you know, I'm not going to let that stop me from, from saving somebody's life is, is something awesome to me at least. Uh, so we gonna let you kind of regroup yourself um, and, and ourselves and we'll go to a commercial and be right back.
Hello, welcome back to A Second Chance. Uh, before we get into these questions, I just wanted to pop this up here real quick. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I would have did the same thing if that, if that was my dad also. But Bob, thank you your question. She is uh, amazing, 100% for sure. And uh, we're praying for you that uh, this transplant comes mm -hmm. soon for you, uh, most definitely. Um, so that, that's funny because that's actually who I was going to ask you about. How is your dad right now uh, waiting for this transplant? Yeah, so, I mean, he has his good and bad days, and that's kind of what we call it. Um, you know, some days he wakes up and he's in a complete fog, and it's not anything more than just him sleeping all day. Um, and, you know, some days he has days that are so good that we can take our motorcycles out and go for a ride um, and be able to enjoy the weather and that kind of stuff. So, and it really just ebbs and flows, and we never – we never really know what the next day is going to look like. So we just kind of take it day by day. And like, we're just super grateful for every, every day that we get with them. Going, going back to your surgery, um, you said uh, your arm, was that the nerve damage that happened? Did the doctor say what was going on? He said that his thought was somehow I was strapped down wrong or somebody leaned on me the wrong way um, and it just pinched a nerve. So my chiropractor within like four weeks was able to um, straighten my leg. Like basically my ligaments were just like really, really tight is what he said. And so that was able to be fixed um, within a month. Now, let me ask you this though. Uh, like, did you had you still had to give sixty percent of your liver to another girl, kind of your size? They still had to take sixty percent. That's what they said. Yeah, they they didn't tell me like if she was my size or not, and at, like I said right away, I didn't know if it was a girl or not. They just said sixty percent. Um, that's what it's gonna be, and then ended up being she. I mean, and I didn't really get a great look at her because she was in the hospital bed, but like right. I can't imagine she was much bigger than I I am. Did, did, did the doctors ever tell you that your liver will, will regenerate? Did they ever say anything to you about that? What did they say? They did, yeah. So within um, six weeks, it was back to, like, working like a normal liver should. And then right. within one year, it'll be completely regrown like nothing right. ever happened. Right. That's amazing about the liver. The lungs are like that, too. The, the uh, kidneys do regenerate, but not as much like the lungs and the liver. The, they, they, they give just a lobe of the, of the liver, and like you said, it will come back. That's an amazing organ. Yeah, you it's do the study incredible. Of it, yeah, it's, it's incredible. You know, and, and, and it's so incredible. That's why I have to give your dad so many, give your dad a lot of love, you know, living and fighting the way he is right now with, with liver uh failure and, and, and things like that and still still doing his thing. I commend him on that. Tell him when I tell him for me to stay strong because that's a challenge right there. I take it from me. I, I did over ten years of dialysis, but what he's doing is pretty remarkable staying strong. And I hope they get that for him pretty soon. Yeah, he's he's doing well. You know, he's he's super strong and just handling it like super humbly. Um and we, we know, you know, like we're, we're not like super religious, but like we do believe in a God and like, we know that yeah. God's got us. And, right. and that's, that's all we have to keep reminding ourselves is that like everything works out the way that it's supposed to. And God right. is good and good as God. And if it's not good, then it's not God. Good. I can test to that. So, uh, I, I have kind of a two part question. Well, this is actually one. So, you said that in the beginning that it was kind of a not thought process for you to want to have to donate to your dad. Do you have any other brothers and sisters or are you the only child? Yeah, so I have um, an older brother and a younger brother. Um, and my older brother also has liver issues. Um, and my younger brother, he's, he's only 19 and he's kind of skinny. So... When I, when we like found out my dad was sick, I immediately thought that like it had to be me, you know, um, my little brother is, and, and I, I wouldn't have wanted to like put that on him, you know, like at 19 years old to have to go through that. And that's, that's like kind of his thing, you know, like if he decides one day he wants to try and, and test and see, um, but at 19 years old, like I couldn't ask anybody and then I couldn't ask anybody regardless of their age, but yeah. 
No, I understand. I, I asked that question because I, I was kind of in the same predicament um, when I was in the process to get my kidney. And, you know, it, immediately I was like, you know, when they said that, you know, living family members are easily nine times out of ten uh, a match, you know, I was like, it's either going to be my mom or my dad because I'm not going to ask my brother and my sister because uh, my brother and my sister is so much younger than me. You know, all of them are, are, I'm the oldest, so they're all much, much younger than me, and I would never ask them to, to go through that, you know, just for me when they have their whole lives uh, ahead of them. So, um, but for you to, to think as quickly as you did is, is awesome, because I know some people would have been looking around like, well, who's it going to be? Who's going to raise their hands? Who's going to do this? You know, but you were quick to kind of step up and just say, I'll do it. You know, it, it was like a non-thought process for you, which is which is awesome. It says a lot about who you are as a person. So, um, so my next question is, how did you feel when you were able to, I uh, guess, hear some here's and there's about the person that you donated to? You were able to see them for a second. You know, you got the uh, the the information after the fact of them recovering well. How did that make you feel? Um, honestly, it made me feel amazing. Um, I, and I went into it knowing or thinking that like, I wasn't going to know anything about this person. Um, and that I was just doing a good thing. And that made me feel good to begin with. Um, I didn't know if my liver was going to take, I didn't know if this person was going to, and I still don't, if she's going to treat her, you know, the, the second chance essentially that I gave her, you know, well, she could not she could not treat it well and, she, and that's but that's on her you know and I just I felt really really good to know that like this process is working um right. and yeah um I was <clears throat> I was reading some stuff and I'm not really sure like what the truth is behind it um I'm, I'm on a Facebook page with it with different donors and stuff and people were saying that since their donation since the transplant they had like adapted to um they had adapted to their their donors senses like some of the stuff like likes and dislikes that they hadn't had before and this kind of stuff um so like i just thought that was really cool to to be able to experience like somebody else's experience the same likes and dislikes that i have because of this like muscle memory that your organs yeah. do have yeah. um so so Alongside of getting information from our guests, we're about giving information as well. So, uh, Mr. Cook, if you would definitely uh, correct me if I'm wrong with, with relaying this information, but you as a donor, if you were to ever need, uh, need a transplant, you would, if I'm not mistaken, they'd be at the top of the list, right? That is correct. Um a donor, if they ever needed a uh, any type of organ, they will go straight to the list because they've given an organ. That is true. So you know, it, it's you might have had to deal with the, that pain that you were talking about, which is you know kind of something me and Mr. Cook know all too well about. Um, but in the end, if it ever needed to come back to you, it would come back without a problem. Um, you know, which is one of the things I think are is a, is a great thing for donors, you know, because they're they're putting their lives on the line as well to to donate to someone to save their life and could possibly end up in that same situation. So um, I think that's that's something great that they were able to put uh, put into effect. So, Miss um, Cook, you have any questions? Um, so did they give you, so I know you're the, uh, donor, did they tell you any after things look for like, do you have to take any kind of medication or anything like that? They, they just sent me home with Tylenol, ibuprofen and Dilot, enough Dilaudid to get me through a week, but I didn't end up taking. And they also sent me home with like Miralax, but that was it. Do you have any checkups you have to do like once a year, anything like that for a liver checkup? Yeah, so I had my three weeks, six week. I have a six month, one year, and then every year after that. Right. 
how how are your incisions uh, um, uh, healing? Are they healing pretty good? Yeah, my scar is awesome. I love it. I like show anybody every chance I get. It's it's super cool. And that was like something I was kind of worried about um, before. That was like kind of my only concern was like, what if I don't like my body after this? Um, And I love it. Like it is is amazing. And it's an everyday reminder. Are you are you are you lifting any weights to get your strength back now? I am. Um, so I actually do um, high intensity interval training at awesome. a, it's called fire fitness. And okay, so um, I work out there about four times a week. I try to go. Could you tell the difference with your energy? That your energy is coming back and your strength is coming back. And, and, and like, how long did it take for you to, for that to come back? Yeah. So, um, so I was, I was, I felt like so tired. Like I could barely like get down my stairs and like a, a couple sidewalk, you know, <laughs> sidewalks away from my house. I tried to like walk as much as I could because they told me that would help. Um, right. And I just, uh, I couldn't find the energy to do it right away. And the funny thing is, is like, so before I went out for surgery, I was like chest pressing 45 dumbbells right in each arm. Nice. And when I went back, when I went back to the gym in July, I could barely do 15s. <laughs> I was like, what is happening? Like, what just happened to me? I know that I was doing this before. Um, so that has been like the hardest thing is like just realizing that um, this is a huge surgery and this is the first time I've ever had surgery. Um, and oh, just man, like, yeah. my body is recovering and like it is healing and it, I have to like take it slow. Yeah, it, it's a, I mean, you know, anytime they take a piece of your organ, a significant organ, one of the major organs of your body, it takes some time for your body to heal up, even when they're giving you one. And, and you're 24, so, you know, you're thinking, like, I could just bounce right back. But <laughs> yeah. you, you, your body went through some trauma on that one, for sure. So, yeah, I, I, I was like, I was like, I have all summer off. Like, it's going to be great. I'm going to do all the things. And then, like, for the first month, I, like, did absolutely nothing. Right. <laughs> right. Mm, man, that's something. Uh, no, I don't have any more questions. It was, it was, go ahead. Uh, well, that was the most excited I've ever seen anybody talk about their scar. And we've been to <laughs> transplant games and talked to thousands of uh, transplant patients. And I've never gotten an answer like that ever. Um, but that's good that you embrace it that way. Um, so I, I do have, uh, I actually have two questions, but one, this one is, did they ever say where the, the, I don't want to call it a mix-up, but the mistake happened uh, with their Dilaudid. Like, what was the reason why that ended up happening after basically kind of stressing the issue of, hey, I don't want narcotics. I want to go, you know, this way, you know, instead of you giving me, you know, narcotics. Like, did they ever tell you who messed up in that situation? Um, no, they really didn't. Um, on the transplant floor, there was, like, a really awkward moment where, all of the the nursing staff were like kind of spatting with each other like oh it was their fault oh it was their fault or like this shouldn't have happened and i was like i don't care if it had like if it shouldn't have happened or not like it did and then they completely took me off of it after being on it for a full day um and just gave me tylenol so i was like you guys need to fix this because i'm in pain now and right and you, right. you started this demon and so right. i ended up being fine with it they sent me home with like 10 dilated and i think i ended up taking four or something um it, it didn't end up being an issue i just didn't want to to start an issue um but no they never said like where the mix-up came from or like what who was where the miscommunication was so Okay, so uh, you mentioned that your your older brother has uh, liver issues as well. Um, wh- where did that come from? How long has he been dealing with that? So his liver issues are a little bit different. He just he just struggles with alcoholism, um, and so that that kind of is where 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 we're at with that. Okay, I understand. Is it uh, to the point where he may need a transplant later in life, or is he working on that? Uh, how's all that going with him? Um, it is possible that he might end up needing a transplant someday, but um, he still is actively struggling. So, as as far as like that, what that looks like, we don't know. 
Well, if he can get through your situation, he can get through his. So we're definitely praying for him that he, you know, doesn't get to the point of needing a transplant. He can, you know, change all this and, and everything gets turned around. Um, I did have one more question and I forgot it. I have a question, <laughs> if that's okay. Okay. Um, oh, yeah, so no problem. As many as you have. The, so, well, it's just kind of a... So when I was in the hotel the night before my transplant, um, I wrote a letter to my recipient and I wasn't going to, I wasn't going to send it or post it or do anything. Um, but I was wondering if I could read it and I haven't read anybody else or shared it at all. So, um, definitely. I think this is a good place to do that if that's okay. Yeah. Oh, not a problem. The floor is yours. Okay. So I said, um, Dear sir, ma'am, I'm not sure how to address you as I know absolutely nothing about you. And I'm not sure how to start, continue, or end this letter because I've never written anything of this sort, but here we go. I'm so grateful to have been given the opportunity to share my liver with you. In the beginning and after I found out that I couldn't donate to my dad because I'm not the right size, I did a lot of research of what a transplant looked like how a person recovered, what they endured, the ups and the downs. I knew I wanted to continue the donation process. My only thought was, and still is, if I've been told I have a perfectly healthy liver and I can help someone not struggle like my family and I are to find my dad a liver, then why wouldn't I step up and do my part? I truly see no other option. And that's not to say that I feel forced into this because I absolutely 100% do not. I just feel like it's the right thing to do and the opportunity presented itself. So anyways, going back to my research, I read that sometimes the recipient can experience similarities in likes and dislikes from the donor, something about muscle memory from an organ. So I thought I'd share a few things with you. I love veggies and dip the French onion kind to be specific. My favorite color is purple and I absolutely love the smell of gardenias. I cry at any sad part of a movie, book, TV show, or the like and laugh at everything remotely funny. I've found a new love for working out and love to swim and be where it's warm. Living in Wisconsin can sometimes be hard for that. I hope that whatever you choose to do with the second chance, you do it with love and laughter and light. I hope that you can enjoy the little things and stare in awe at the stars. When I was in the military and struggling missing home, my dad always said, we're both under the same moon, so when you miss me, look up at the sky, find the moon, and know I'm looking too. I hope that if you ever find yourself in doubt or sad or struggling, that you too can look up at the moon and know it will be okay. Cheers. Awesome. 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 Wow. I hope they heard that, and I, you know, we will we, we will repeat this this podcast so they can hear that, man. That was that's pretty good. I like fresh onion dip. Uh, <laughs> that's one of my favorites. Yeah, it's the best. <laughs> it is. Okay, so that's, that that's that was awesome. awesome. Yeah, yeah. Oh no, you good? Um, you know what you just did, honestly. Um. Because I, I don't know if you've ever had anybody come to you to ask you this question, but I've had multiple people come to me and ask me, how do I write this letter to my donor? You know, or or a donor come to me saying, how do I write a letter to somebody that I donated to? And it's hard to kind of give the structure uh, to tell somebody how to write it because uh, of who that person is. And so the way you write it, in the way that you write is your own personal way of writing. So, um, I mean, I, I've given uh, some advice here and there, you know, things to put in or things not to put in. But the way that you wrote that letter was perfect, and it was a great outline for other people to take from it to, to be able to write to their donors or write to uh, a recipient that they donated to. So I definitely appreciate you reading that letter uh here tonight um that was that was deep for sure um it was it was sincere from the heart man i felt it you know it was, that energy was sincere and 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 like i said i i feel that the energy would definitely reach her and she's gonna like fresh and dip also <laughs> <laughs> she probably she's gonna get it as soon as she finishes listening to she's like not nah, want some <laughs> She's gonna be addicted right. to it forever now. <laughs> right, right. That's all right. 
but yeah, no, Lightman's definitely gonna uh, reshow this for sure. Um, so, my last question I like to end with is, what would you want your, the viewers that are be watching this, whether they're watching it live or watching it tomorrow or two weeks from now or whatever? Like, what do you want them to take from what you say here today? I think that. Um, you know, and I, th I thought about this question because I figured you would ask something like that. And, and really the thing is, is no matter what you're doing, like do it with love and do it with, with light and do it because you, you genuinely want to help someone like don't expect anything in return and just like help people, you know, like, I don't care if you're going to go give a liver or if you're going to open a door for somebody, but just like be kind always and do it with love. Yes, I strongly agree with that, man. That's that's so true. That's you know that that's you know second uh, chance podcast is like that. Uh, kidney care coaches. We all started at Why Not Foundation. We all started because we just love to uh, support uh, pediatric transplant kids and, and people in general who have uh, the challenges we went through. You know, so Billy, uh, my hat goes off to you and your family, and uh, you being an altruistic donor is amazing. Like I said, you know, when sometimes when people feel like they can't help their loved ones, they will stop the process. You, on the other hand, continue the process and uh, hey, paid it forward big time. So I just look for nothing but good things in your future for your family and yourself as well. Thank you. Definitely agree 100% with Mr. Cook. Uh, definitely be praying uh, for your brother, for, uh, for your family in general, but, you know, for your father to definitely get uh a transplant as soon as possible um you know I, we understand the struggling of waiting on the list for a transplant you know like Mr. because he was on dialysis for 10 years i've been on dialysis for 11 uh started uh, august 1st so you know it's uh it's it's a a process that we don't wish that you know to go through or wish on anybody else to have to go through no matter you know what type of relationship you have with somebody it's not you know something that you like to watch somebody go through and i've watched uh friends you know family my grandmother uh the last couple of years she was here on earth had to do dialysis as well so you know it was uh when i had to do it it was kind of hard for me because actually all i thought about was her so uh but definitely hoping that you know everything uh continues to go well for you uh, your liver and regenerating and growing back and uh, whoever your your recipient is, I definitely hope that she heard your letter here today that you read um, and I hope that she's doing well recovery wise um, and getting getting back on her feet. So uh, thank you again, Lily, for uh, coming on and sharing your story today. We definitely appreciate, uh, appreciate it 100%. Um, Mr. Cook, thanks again. I know you out there having a good old time right now. Um, <laughs> happy early anniversary, my brother, you and your wife. Uh, please continue to enjoy yourselves. I'll, I'll play in the for you, Lily, because you said you like the ocean and everything. So I'll, I'll, tomorrow morning, I'll be out there playing in the ocean for you. I'll live vicariously through that. <laughs> <laughs> awesome, awesome. Well, everybody, you heard this wonderful story from Lily. Um, she made the selfless act to continue to uh, go through it, donating her liver, even though it wasn't, it didn't necessarily go to the person that she wanted to go to. It was still able to save somebody's life. We'll be back next Sunday, same time, 8 o'clock Eastern time, 5 o'clock Pacific time. Uh, please visit the uh, Second Chance store, bonfire.com backslash store, backslash A dash second dash chance backslash. And we will see you all next week. You guys have a wonderful night. Bye. Thank you.